Welcome to episode 15 of Honestly Unbalanced. This week we're chatting to Richie Norton, who's a movement coach, breath worker, yoga teacher, very cool guy and lots more nouns. Uh, So Richie actually ended a rugby career at 26 due to injuries and after a little stint in an office job headed to Australia where he explored body and mind in many ways via capoeira, via yoga, via surfing. He has now spent years, if not over a decade, working along sports professionals and some of the most respected pioneers of human performance. He's the first European master coach for XPT, and through his project Strength Temple, he takes clients on journeys of self-discovery, giving them all the tools they need to unlock and develop their full physical and mental potential, inspired by breathwork, yoga, calisthenics, capoeira, surf, and lots more. Enjoy the convo. Whether you're practicing from home at the moment or finally getting back to yoga studios, you could probably do with your own yoga mat. And the best ones I've encountered are the Lifeform yoga mats. Uh, with code AHUSTLER19, you get a discount, we get commission, win-win. Have a peek, that's a Lifeform yoga mat. Honestly unbalanced. Right, Richie, welcome. So... The first question for you is, I, I was trying to tell Holly about you and I had no idea what to call you. I'm like, yeah, Richie's like this good looking guy with long hair that lives on the coast. And he does something related. What an intro. He, like, he does something related to fitness and wellness and it's a bit of everything. Like what noun are you? Like how would you describe, how would you describe do you know what, what you do? That's the second time I've been asked that in 24 hours. Oh, don't say I've that. Was... That was like original question. <laughs> no, no, no. But it was, it was delivered in a slightly different way. It's more, how would you title yourself and where are you positioned in the industry? Oh, okay. And, but it's sort of slightly different, but it was more, I kind of wanted to level it out in the way that I'm continuing to evolve. And I'm mm. kind of like, you know, to start from where I was, I used to play rugby and rugby was all I did. I just like rugby, 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 rugby. And in the fitness industry, I can't get rid of the fact that I got into the industry because I was fascinated about how to improve my performance in the rugby field. That was it. It was all about mm. performance. How buff can I get? How muscly can I get? How strong can I get? How fast can I get? What supplements do I need to take? Yeah. You know, all this stuff. So I had that sort of traditional rugby mentality. And then the big transition came when I got injured. My rugby career ended way too early because I'd set my whole sights on being professional till I retired. And then yoga bridged the gap. But it was over a seven-year trial period of like, well, rugby players don't really do yoga. I'm not very, very flexible. My mobility is terrible. I'm like, I can't, I'm trying to compete all the time in every class that I do. (laughs) And over the few years of experimenting with it and finding the right teachers, I was able then to find my position in the industry where I could talk people through their own journey, help them navigate, be more mindful in how they train. And, And the bridge for me to understand that was yoga and breathwork and capoeira and jiu-jitsu, all these mm. things that I was performance-orientated, looking into as an interest rather than just being all spiritual and mindful and zen and, you know, yogi. I didn't connect with that mm. at all. Yeah. And that happens you know a lot I mean? on yoga. People go like cold turkey on their other stuff. They, like, become yogis and drop everything else and then everything is yeah. yoga and they forget, like, how to actually... Yeah use their bodies to lift objects and actually how to yeah. move fast and i found that yeah. massively when i because i did to a degree that mainly because of the time i used to be a boxer like had no yeah. time to do anything 
and I was, was just doing yoga and I just couldn't do any explosive movement at all. Mm. Like my, my desire mm. and ability to do it, it just went... Well, because right. you were so zen by that point. Part zen. Part, part was part, part, <laughs> With your man bun. Yeah, yeah, part, yeah, part zen, part that. But yeah, I just lost it. And so was there ever a period when you were like, I'm going to just do yoga? Was that ever a thing? Or did you think, I'm going to, how um, can I tie this to what I've done previous? The only time I was all yoga was when I was doing my teacher training because I realized I, so that the short window into how this all happened, I, I fought it for quite a while because I wasn't really getting it. And I got quite frustrated because I wasn't capable of getting to these end positions that everybody else is in mm. looking all fancy. I was still quite big back then. I was quite, you know, stocky. I was quite thick and dense. Mobility range motion was horrendous. Couldn't touch my toes, that kind of thing. And I found it quite frustrating. So I, I put it off and put it off. And then the opportunity kind of like slotted in at a really like key time when I was getting frustrated with my training and I had lost my way a little bit. I was just sort of banging out the gym and yoga teacher training was in Bali. I was like, sweet, wanted to go to Bali. I already kind of like had a little bit of a foothold there through my surfing interest. Mm -hmm. And that kind of allowed me to bridge the interest because my yoga teacher was a surfer. So he was talking to me as he was breaking it down in a way where I could relate. And I'm like, well, God, that's such a key part. You've got to be able to relate with the person that you're trying to be inspired by mm -hmm. and get insight from to help get the confidence to at least try it. So when I rocked up to Bali, I had some work to do a few weeks before. So I was like, I've got to start doing more yoga. He even said, you should probably start doing a little bit more yoga and less weights because it's going to hold you back, becoming more open and finding a more mindful practice. So slowing down and taking the tension out of the body so you can find more freedom in your movement. So I was like, he's using the words that I'm, I connect with. Yeah. And then it was my, it was that I was like, well, now I'm going to dedicate myself to this because I realized I don't want to waste this opportunity to go there and really make the most of it. And he's talking to me in a way that I'm getting it. It's not too spiritual and too fluffy and woo woo. So I'm like, right, we're going to surf. We're going to get all agile. We're going to get speedy. We're going to get dynamic. I'm like, yes, that sounds awesome. I'm into that. And it was then during that two month period when I was in Bali that I got to surf every day, you know, eat. You know, traditionally, it was I was cleaning my diet up. My my mindset was all in, all in yoga, yoga, yoga. But actually, after my yoga teacher training, I was so beat up. My joints felt like they'd been <laughs> like tweaked and talked and like stretched. What kind? What kind of yoga was it? Uh, vinyasa yoga. So I mean, his Ian Finn's stuff is is based on like a vinyasa uh traditional sort of uh flow style he has mm -hmm. this like surf flow and that's what i connected with um and then bridged into sort of a bit of a hatha style but uh, traditionally it was like a vinyasa yeah um and what i found because what a lot about alignment we cover a lot of different aspects to it and it was all very new to me but it was more about learning the structure to a, a flow and creating your own intuitive flow and learning how to be more aware of your body so you can recruit muscles, the muscle fiber a little bit better and also improve your range of motion to become stronger and stabilize your joints. And it was me going deep and pushing it probably a little bit too far from that performance and wanting to be the best I can be that at the end of it, I was like, yeah. I don't want to do any yoga for a little while. I need my body to heal and repair. I need to mix up a little bit here. So. I, I started to come away from traditional yoga sequencing 
And that's where I started to connect with my capoeira. And that was another connection for me. So more body weight movement, more freestyle, more, more like calisthenic style practice, no weights. It seems and like, then, sorry, it seems like you came to the kind of the realization that a lot of yogis do after 10 or 15 years. Like a lot of, <laughs> like a lot of yogis realize, oh, actually 15 years later, my joints are messed up. Like mm. my, my, I can just throw my leg behind my head. And that's probably actually in hindsight, not an amazing thing. Uh, mm. And you, you kind of came to it early, which is weird because you kind of, I would have thought that someone that does rugby for so long and is so tight would do yoga, would take years to make any progress and then be just going down, heading down that route more and more for a long time. But mm. you kind of mm. brought it all together pretty mm. fast. When did you, sorry, when did you actually start yoga and, and what was the reason for it? Were you still doing your rugby at this time or was it afterwards no no there was a huge gap right. i stopped playing rugby like competitively when i was my last contract in portugal was when i was 26 mm. 27 so it's quite a while ago yeah <laughs> we went ask. um so <laughs> so i'm 39 actually don't know if you realize how old i was but um, I, I thought i thought i thought older never try to leave myself too open for that but i've got to embrace it because it's quite a big year this year for the big birthday version what are you doing for it what are you doing for your 40th well the, the covid kind of like put a bit of a spanner in the works i was good i was basically like renting this big villa this surf camp in costa rica for oh a my month God, wow and i was just inviting all my friends and family to come and hang out with me for a month Amazing. We'll be there. Um, and do like a little few retreats amongst it and just make it all just like lots of family gatherings and lots of vibes and just good times. Mm. Um, so we're just pending a few other things changing. We're, we're not quite sure yet, but I'm pretty excited because I feel fitter and stronger and more weight than I've ever been, which is good. Um, so going back to that, I, I really lost my way. I went to Ibiza for a few years when I stopped playing rugby. Uh, I thought mm. I need to let loose and yeah. just kind of like, all the stuff that I kind of didn't do that much of when I was younger because I was deep in rugby mm. I'm just going to go tear it up for a few <laughs> summers as much as that was fun it also left me in a bit of a dark hole even worse at the end of all that when I kind of like shook off like all the dancing and all the other stuff <laughs> and it left me really disorientated on my purpose and what I was even here for mm. my direction and I was like shit what am I going to do so a few years passed. When I was 30, I tried to make my way in London in, in the business world and using the money that I had to try and invest it and also try a few things that I would steer to do because I was able to sell things. I was able to like my personality and my reputation kind of carried me a little bit, but it really wasn't my identity at all. I was like so out of my depth. And someone said to me one day, I was 31 years old and I was in London and this guy who was working, I was working with, so he, was, he, was, he was the, he was the um, uh, CEO of the business I pulled me into, said, mate, you're wasted here. You should go and do something you really want to do because I can tell you're not enjoying it. And it's mm. really hurting me to see you in here just grinding away every day. Wow. I, wore, I was wearing a suit and everything. Honestly, you've never seen me look so out of sorts. <laughs> short, said, short what hair. else do you want to do? Honestly, can you imagine me in a suit, like yeah. full suit? Like, what, what was the I job? Longish hair as well. Oh. Just like a surfer that was playing dress up. It was so funny. Was it just like a, anyway, t a city job? City job, yeah. yeah. So, um, and I decided to go to Australia. For where can I go that's as far away from London as ever? Mm. And I just managed to get that last year before you get your working visa cut off, mm. right? Okay. So, 
I'm going to go, got a working visa. I've got family in Australia. I've got family in New Zealand. I thought, right. So I used to play rugby in New Zealand as well. So I used to play rugby over there. So I, it wasn't much of a, like a scary transition. It was actually sweet. I'm going to go hang out with some old mates. Found surfing. Didn't go anywhere near yoga yet. Didn't do any rugby. I was still carrying injuries. I thought, I'm going to learn to surf. I look like a surfer already, but mm-hmm. I don't know how to surf. So I'm just going to learn how to surf for the first few weeks I was there. Injuries started to disappear. I got this new vibe like flying through me. I was buzzing for life every day. Mm. I met some servers that were yogis. So I'm like, oh, they do yoga, like sweeps. I, I tried it a few years before. I even gave Bikram a go for a while when I was in New Zealand, uh, in London. That was horrible. <laughs> That's another story. Um, and then 31 years old, again, my body felt broken. I'd been written off, never going to play rugby again. Surfing started to relieve injuries in my knee. I had spine issues. I broke my jaw, shoulder reconstruction, oh hyperextending in my knee, uh, all sorts of issues. So I gave yoga a go, 31 years old, and again, struggled. You know, this first few classes, like, God, I'm so bad at this. And there's no other guys in the class apart from me and this other surf, surf, it's still all women. And then a year later, just fast forward a little bit, I went to, I had to go and get an extension on my visa. So I thought, well, I'm, rather than go and work on a farm, I'm going to go and become a student and learn something so I can educate myself. What do I like doing? I like training. Let's do a sports diploma in coaching and fitness. And the place I chose was this Brazilian jiu-jitsu capoeira school in Sydney. I thought, win, win, oh. win. This sounds ace. <laughs> wow. Sign me up. I got accepted and the practical was to become a capoeira teacher. So I'm like, it's physical, a bit of music. The guys are all cool. They all mm. surf. I thought I'd like struck gold. Well, I did. It was hard work though. It was really hard hang, work. Hang I really so struggled. Can you, you, you can just stay in Australia as long as you're a student or something. You could just stay. I just exposed a loophole. Yeah. I? <laughs> so are you, and, and you could just become a student of something you like doing anyway. Well, you've got to pay for it. Okay. It's not cheap. You know, you, you, and most students won't be able to afford to be a student there, put it that way. Okay. Like, if you can pay your way <laughs> and actually, you know, <laughs> what am I saying? <laughs> it was more, it didn't, it didn't, You're not going back. You're not going back now. <laughs> it was all legit. It was all legit. It was just more. Yeah, and you had to pay cash, yeah? <laughs> it was cash. It was cash in envelopes. Um, no, you do have to legit see it through, and it is a legit qualification, but it, it's super high-end, as in like high-premium studies. Yeah, You don't get grants, you've got to pay everything, mm. and, you, and it's like you've got to work on the side, so I had to get a side job, which again is another story. I was, did a radio show, I did my own radio show. That's a uh. one. Anyway, the, more to the point, I, the capoeira gave me this whole connection to like bodyweight movement, and I was looking at these Brazilian guys who were all surfers that were shredded, we're doing, you know, you're familiar with capoeira, yeah. like this art form that is just incredibly challenging, but aerobatic. And I just thought, what an amazing ability to have this in your repertoire to be able to go and carry it into my other training because you're so mobile, you're so open. And just, just four weeks in, I was already moving in a completely different way I'd never been able to achieve before. My mobility, my flexibility, my strength, my agility how I was feeling was just on another level. And they were telling me that yoga is something they do twice a week. And by that point, I joined the gym. So I started to do some training again, met a girl 
who was a yoga teacher and a masseuse, she uh, seduced me. <laughs> and um, Is this the girl from your Instagram that we see today? No, actually, oh. that is a long time ago. Right, okay, move okay. on. <laughs> I mean, you know who she is, actually, but I don't know if we need to go down that rabbit hole. Leave, leave that pocket. Um, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll talk about that, that after. One. But anyway, she changed changed my life in a way that she opened me up into yoga by knowing what I was actually probably going to resonate with. Mm. She was my yoga teacher for a while mm. and helped me bridge the gap. And it all happened in Australia. My surfing became a huge passion. My yoga became a, a big passion. Being out in nature became something I started to connect with more and more and more again. And just life completely changed. And then fast forward a few years, uh, I, got, I went to Bali, did my yoga teacher training when the opportunity came up. I happened to be there with a client who was, who was getting married there. This slot came up on the yoga teacher training just before I went. And it just like, I can't ignore these. And he's, a good, he's a good teacher as well. You know, he's a famous he teacher. Is. You're not learning from the average guy who just rocked up in Bali. He's no, no. And it was it was weeks of manifesting it. Mm. And it just, you know, when you're just a bit more aware, you're a bit more awake to signs. You're just yeah. like, hang on. I can't ignore how this is unraveling. Yeah. I'm just going to go after it and see what comes. And it just was legit the most i've got goosebumps the oh, most wow. incredible experience of my life and going so deep and unwrapping what i had as this armor as a rugby player mm. completely exposed crying my eyes out day one honestly it was oh, mad you know you talk about this with your yoga team uh, training you have these people that really like you strip back and you have these transformation experiences yeah. i was like went in there i'm a nice person you know i was very open i was chatting with everybody i was very excited but my yoga experience was like, shit, I need to pull it together. I'm literally getting, I'm crying at every single chance or every single opportunity someone had to talk to me and ask me questions about my life. I'd be like, I just opened like a big flower. It was so silly, but at the same time, the most incredible experience. Like what, what kind of stuff are you learning about yourself? Um, that I'm, that I'm a bit of a big softy. I'd, I'd built up this, this armor and this, um, this kind of like, demeanor of like you know i've got to like carry myself i've mm -hmm. got to be you know that rugby player that's tough and strong and resilient and i had that sort of childhood where i was i, I grew up in the middle east you see so when i when i came to the uk i was a bit, bit behind with school in primary school and high school and I, I was the oldest in my year and i was always this new kid that came from saudi arabia that had missed school but i was always kind of like getting in trouble but luckily rugby was my way to go and escape all of that. But I carried that with me through high school, through college and kind of always felt like to prove something, but I was always hiding my feelings because of what was going on behind the scenes with mm. family. My way of dealing with it was just dig it deep, suppress it and probably just take it out on someone on the rugby field and headbutt someone or punch someone yeah. or just like lose the, lose my, my mind. And when that got taken away from me, it was like I had to bury it even deeper or find other ways to let loose, which is probably where Ibiza came into the mix. Mm. And then it was the yoga that actually helped me kind of unpack that yeah. and accept that actually that hurt me quite a lot when I was younger. And that, you know, that was now part of the power that I was embracing. But at the time it was fuel to my fire, but in a negative way, probably. Mm. And uh, the wear and tear of that unpacked through various different physical issues, real low vibe, 
carrying into my later years and pulling me out of that was this yoga and it was like this shining light of like mm. well these people are really nice they're really friendly they're really uh. welcoming but also movement and the breathing mm. that I was doing in practice was like this like freeing like emotional release that I would just I'd black out almost through practice and at the end dripping in sweat just like crying or like just buzzing, smiling, laughing. And I just thought, what on earth is going on? Did you? Because I'd never experienced that in my training for the 30. So we didn't cover that. I did my yoga teacher training when I was 35. So five years ago, not that long mm. ago. Did you expect to be going through this journey on your yoga training? Or did you see it more of a physical moving your body um, type training? Or, or, or is this something that you went into with your eyes open? No, I was definitely eyes open. I, I'd done the work a little bit more. I prepared myself a little bit more to sort of lean into it. If I was going to commit to it, I'm like, right, I've kind of got to like take this seriously and, and kind of just like accept whatever comes up. But I definitely was, you know, more interested in the physical side and improving my physical health, my mental health, because there was a huge disconnection with that. But it was more, well, let's just see what happens. And I'll be vulnerable, I'll be open, I'll listen, I'll learn, and I'll just step back and just kind of let it carry me I think that's to wherever it wants to go. So that's the best attitude to have, isn't it? Because then it just opens the doorways to healing and magic. And you talked a bit about breath work. And from reading lots of your things, it seems like breath work's had quite a big impact on your practice and your life. Mm. Can you talk mm. a little bit about that and how you, how you came into that? Yeah, so the, the breathwork plays a huge part now more than ever because I've, I've educated myself a little bit more on, on it rather than say this practice is the one practice for me. Like we were saying with yoga, you can get caught up in like that being your ritual, that being your daily practice, and this is what you live for, and this is what keeps you sane. I found the more I stay curious and the more I experiment with breathwork and movement and just kind of like constantly improving myself – evolving let's say it keeps it fresh and fun and exciting and i'm also my body feels like it's always adapting and always feeling challenged right so when i got into breath work it was like right well i breathe my interest was performance because it was an athlete development coach a performance coach in the states that was talking about breath work for stimulating the nervous system and actually keeping more composed in stressful environments and your respiratory system being more efficient so you don't burn all your fuel so quick. So right, I was thinking, right, composure, focus, like staying like super zen. And then the, the yoga allowed me to sort of see the, how the physiology and the mechanics and the biochemistry of the two kind of like align to no matter what you're trying to achieve, we're all humans that breathe, but most of us breathe dysfunctionally. I've never been aware of that my whole career. And just a week of practice with this teacher transformed how I felt, how I moved, how I, how I was breathing, how I was feeling, all because I was being more conscious of it and being more mindful of how it was affecting me. So then I was like, well, I've got rugby, I've got my other training, I've got my capoeira, I've got my surfing. And I'm like, I'm breathing consciously through all of it. I'm like, I feel like I'm just like Jedi. It's <laughs> like, you know, just going into every situation when I'm talking to someone, I'm like, their mouth breathing. Ooh. You and know, actually, I can see they're up a chest breathing, like dysfunction. You know, all this sort of thing. I was just observing people. Yeah. 
and it actually and saved it your was... saved your life at one point, right? I read um, yeah. one of your blogs. Can you tell that story? I that's just fascinating. Yeah, I mean, it's probably saved my life a few times actually from panic attacks and stuff like that. But the the exciting was I've just found that footage actually. I'm going to do a YouTube video of the of the whole trip. But it was when I went to the Mentawis. So I I, I worked with um, Led Hamilton and Gabby Reese and the XPT guys in Malibu. I've been going there every summer and they, they have this XPT extreme performance training uh, set up where we learn about breath work and underwater tr- training and deep sea diving and um, free diving and controlling yourself when you get pulled under a wave for big surfers, you know, learning how to train their nervous system, not to panic and all these things. So that was fascinating. No yoga connection, just more about like using breath work and meditation to calm the nervous system down so you don't use all your oxygen so quickly and don't like stay too sensitive to something that causes you to trigger a panic. Okay, so I've been doing that for the summer and I went away on this trip at the end of the summer to the Mentawi Islands to go and surf. It was like the Mecca for me. It was like the dream I'd always had and a load of Aussies that I knew from Sydney were organizing the trip. I was living in the UK at the time. So I didn't have much surf fitness, but I was well in the deep end, never surfed that kind of swell before in my life. Anyway, I got there day one, everyone's hyped, massive swell, big pumping waves, palm trees in the backdrop. We're living on a boat for two weeks. This is the wow. whole trip in the, in the mentalities and the coast mm-hmm. of Indonesia, it's dreamy. So I'm paddling out with everybody else. And like, frothing. Everyone's like, yeah, I'm just buzzing off this hype. And I'm just like, okay, I'm shitting myself a little bit here, but I'm still buzzing. And that's what I'm just being guided by. (laughs) Anyway, I'm way out compared to everybody else. I'm like, I'm just going to hold back and watch you guys catch a few. It's 10 foot this wave. I've previously surfed maybe four or five foot. So double that. Mm. Anyway, it's dreamy. It's a mechanical wave. The pictures you see in the magazines, it's like peeling waves, beautiful turquoise colors. It looks amazing. A few of the guys get some absolute stompers. <laughs> and then there's a big break in all the sets. So that's when the, the waves just sort of drop out a little bit. Anyway, I've slowly started to creep in by accident. I don't know if it was the current, the rip, whatever it was. Anyway, I'm all of a sudden I'm chatting to them because I was kind of like getting a bit bored anyway. <laughs> and then... I'm not watching the waves, schoolboy error. You're not watching the sets coming through. Hear this, paddle! (laughs) Turn my head, look back, and I'm like, this towering wave coming at me. And I'm just like, doing my fastest doggy paddle. It's not efficient at all. I'm like a a golden retriever on a board like this. (laughs) Just not paddle fit compared to everybody else. All these Aussies are just like, it's like, they've got, it's like they've got motors on their boards. And I'm just like, why am I not going to this? You know, I'm panicking. Anyway, a moment, if you'd seen the video replay, it's just like, <laughs> I'm just panicking. Immediate stress response, right? Anyway, the guys are a bit further out. There's one guy on the wave that's caught it out the back. I'm like, fair play for a split second and then instant panic again. Mm-hmm. And I see him, it looks like he's going to come all the way on top of me. He's like coming right at me. The guy next to me is like duck dive like a dolphin, like so like hydrodynamic. He just glides through the water. And I've gone to do the same and I've seen him and he's got and I've kind of not got through the wave. So the whole process of this is I'm I'm like feeling myself go upside down and then I'm airborne 
and then I'm in the wave. It's like I'm weightless for a few seconds. The board's gone ping, and in the power of the wave, because the board's attached to your ankle, it's tweaked my knee so much it's oh. ruptured my MCL oh. like completely. Ouch. You hear this? I thought oh. I'd broken it. Anyway, I didn't know what I'd broken. I just heard something go. And you're just waiting to land because these waves break on a reef. Oh, no. You just, with the waves big and you get it in the wrong spot, it just throws you on the reef. You land just on the reef, right? So I'm just like bracing myself for like death, maybe. Don't know what's going through. It's happening very quickly. Anyway, I've not landed because the wave's so big. It's got so much water and I'm so deep in the wave as it's throwing me. It, it cushions my landing. Anyway, you're tumbling around a little bit. You don't really know where you are. It's really disorientating. And I'm underwater. I'm like, okay. I remember this training from being underwater with lead and holding these weights under the water and moving underwater and just remembering like even Gabby's voice of, don't worry, you've got plenty of oxygen in your, in your body. You're going to be okay. You're gonna, you've got plenty of oxygen in your tissues. Don't panic. Calm down. Calm down. So I'm literally just like, calm down, calm down, calm down. It's really hard. And mm. think of it. But I remember the training and the training in that moment allows me just to try and still myself and stop moving, stop panicking and let the water do what it needed mm -hmm. to do. So I've kind of felt there's this little pressure release when you get a bit closer to the surface because as soon as the wave starts to pull back once it's crashed, you get this little bit of freedom so you don't feel so locked and in, in the mercy of the wave. So I look up and I can see a little bit of light. So I'm like, I'm getting up to the top. So I'm bracing myself to take a breath. And the leash grabs around my wrist and it's lassoed around my legs. So it's like tied a noose and like lassoed around my calf. And it's my board is like locked underneath the reef. Oh. So oh it pulls me under and I, I, and I can't go for the breath. So instantly again, like, and you've almost like, it tells you, you get trained to like, you can't take another breath in, but you've got to try create air you've got to create a little pocket but the main thing is you don't panic because the panic creates all this carbon dioxide and mm. you you then you get this urge to breathe that's even more aggressive so i've had to go down there's a bit of a clearing and i've gone down it's a brand new leash so i can't snap it but in my mind i'm like can i snap it can i pull it off and i've literally got to overstretch it and i tear some skin off and i pull a bit of my toenail off because i'm trying oh. to grab it with my nails and uh, I bring it loose and I and the board comes loose and it's there because it's tied to the thing. So I grab the board and that takes me up to the top. And obviously by that point, it's the, uh, oh my God. and you take this gasp of air, you're like, but what's happening? The next wave's coming in. Uh -huh. So the next wave is just, I, I, get, I fill up with air a little bit. And then I remember, right, I've got to try and stay calm, but the reef is right there. So then that's when I get cut. Before then there's no cuts. And then the, 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 because I've got hold of the board, it kind of like keeps me on the surface of the water rather than pull me down. So I basically bounce across the top of this reef and this wave, and that's when I get these little lacerations from the reef. Anyway, I survived. My knee was hurting. I couldn't believe that my board was in one piece. And by that point, the rescue boat had seen what was going on, and there was uh, the little dinghy off the boat that we have was out, like looking for me, trying to get in through these wave sets. I just remember just trying to breathe and just trying to calm myself down. And, and I calmed myself down so quickly because I was thinking, I've got to try and calm the nerves down and, try and not panic and not stress. And it, all this training was so well drilled mm. into me, I realized that it completely saved my life. Oh, did did you go straight to hospital after that? 
No, we were thousands of miles offshore in the middle of the Indonesian Ocean. So the only you... way to get a rescue is you've used like satellite phone to call a helicopter to come and pick you up. Yeah. So, so in the extent of my injuries with this, you know, I was just buzzing to be alive at that point. I was, mm. it, was, it was the scariest thing I've ever done. But it was more like it was, I looked like I'd been attacked by a shark because obviously the blood was pumping through your body and you've got these oh, tiny yeah. little lacerations, just everywhere's bleeding. And you're just like, it looks like you've been attacked. They're like, shit, oh. I've come, I've, they pulled me into the boat and all the blood's all over the floor of the deck of the boat. And I'm like, I'm like ah. I was cool because I realized that there was nothing major, but they look, it looked like I'd done something really bad. And they pulled me up onto the boat. The worst part is actually they cut all they cut limes and they squeeze lime juice all over the oh. all over the incisions and rub it in oh like rub God. it so they can get all the little grains of all the organic material from the the, the coral that mm. can infect you and then become poisonous and it goes black oh my God. when the when it reacts so they, but it's not just like squeeze <laughs> it's, there's no there's all these Indonesian dudes like it's the best thing it's the best thing come on they're all at it they're all getting every bit all at oh my god wow. you know you just gotta crack and grip your teeth and I'm just freaking out because my knee is already starting to swell up but mm. I'm, I, I kind of hobble up but the adrenaline's pumping through my body and all I can think about was I'm alive compose yourself everything's gonna be okay everything's gonna be okay I'll just buzz in to be alive but it was that moment of being underwater and where you could panic and try and take a breath or just give up is where it's a life or death call sometimes because we do have enough oxygen in our body. Even when our body's saying breathe, mentally we can trigger our body to not panic so much so the chemistry levels off a little bit and we're able to distribute more oxygen to the tissues where we need it and create space. So that whole experience was just a trajectory into like going deeper into that practice and just seeing it as a huge sign and a huge personal experience to carry into how I explained it, you know, being used in a practical scene. Um, before we that move- was day one though of a, of a two week trip. Before we move on to, I guess, the, the deeper stuff there, on the, on the, the topic of underwater training, like, mm. I've seen a lot of it lately. Like, I've, obviously, there's that classic photo of Muhammad Ali boxing underwater, which mm. was him just taking the piss. Like, he was just taking mm. the piss out of a dog fur. But then I, I saw, like, a guy called Dominic Reyes, who's an MMA heavyweight. Mm. No, mid- uh, no. Mm. Uh, anyway, he was, like, mm. like, properly doing weights underwater, like, legitimately mm. doing weights and, like, almost, like, doing a bench press underwater. Like, what's the rationale mm. behind it? Like, I've never done it. I've never really encountered anyone. Yeah, so the easiest way to explain it is low resistance. Okay. and less stress on the joints. So we would use it in various different settings, or we do use it in various different settings, where we would do it on recovery days, where it would be low impact. So people that have a lot of high impact training day to day, lift a lot of heavy weight, a lot of stress in the joints. This is a good way for you to get all the, the blood flowing, all the toxins through the body, and also allow things to breathe. And also like ligaments and the joints get a little bit more room and less aggressive like wear and tear right but when you look at weights in the bottom of a pool you are stressing the body and this is kind of the key part because what it's teaching you is to be uncomfortable and to mentally and then physiologically create these adaptations to manage that stress in these environments underwater which is very stressful for most people and find composure in those situations while challenge your body physically 
that will then transfer into when you're on the surface, when you're on land, being more comfortable, but feeling more supple, more agile, and also knowing that you've overcome that really highly stressful state mm. of being underwater, no matter what you're doing. And then we just choose the water as a place to challenge people's ment- mental state, but also then physically. And then going... So out, that's usually the angle. Coming out of the water now. So after that experience, like near-death experience, I'm sure that is in some way changing your perspective on things. And the fact you got another mm. two weeks in paradise to kind of soak up those changes. Like, was, mm. it, was there a change? Like, what happened in your head after, after oh, that? Oh, no, I, I, still, I still have it deep down. It's what I'm doing a course at the moment about free diving and open water swimming facing fears because... I still notice that it, it it reminds me, it takes me back there instantly. So you can imagine that as a trauma mm. and how that leaves a little bit of a mark and then you might want to just completely avoid that. For me, I was like, I need to lean into this. Yeah. And this is what I always try and get people to embrace. It's like, there's another layer to where you, you, you're you going to go. And this has just been something for you to just become a bit more aware of something that is, is probably going to be quite a, a big lesson for you if you embrace it. So I had this mentality day two and I, my knee was, they didn't you know, I had no physician, I had nobody there to do an assessment, I had nobody to do a scan on me. I just knew my knee, every time I stood up, kind of just like gave way. Mm. On the right side, it just, it, it was just, it would just give way. But it was this weird, like, it wasn't disconnected, it wasn't completely snapped, it was just grade five rupture, we found out later. So I would be hanging off the, the boat, looking at everybody, and I just thought, I'm going to overcome this. I'm not letting this destroy my trip so already i'm embracing the fact that this is just a test i'm better than this i'm stronger than this whereas i was supposed to just have my foot up my leg up i didn't have to go to hospital because they weren't worried i had food i had water i wasn't in a critical condition i just would have been bored out of my mind and just annoying mm. everybody so day three i've strapped my knee i've taped it up so it's like a wooden leg <laughs> you know and and i've gone out on the big board and just paddled out yeah. And it's agonizing. It's every time I tweak, it's, uh, uh, you know, you get that little, uh, something's not quite right. But I've just gone out just to paddle around and just hang out with the boys. And then I've gone, the next step was, well, I'm going to I'm gonna put some fins on. I'm going to see if I can swim. And I'm just going to go and swim out. I'm going to take some video footage. So I'm making myself useful with my GoPro. And I'm like, I've just got this GoPro. I'm going to film everybody and capture some footage. But I remember I had to keep going back and just having a little word with myself that I could have just given up because it was quite painful, but I realized actually this is quite a cool like chapter where I'm going to learn a lot about myself, but also how can I innovate and adapt to make sure I'm not bored out of my mind Mm. and want to like jump overboard. So that determination day four, I strapped my knee up. A few of the guys like really helped me strap my knee up. And by that point, I kind of got used to like what nerve, what issues were kicking back in terms of pain. And I was able to like understand what moves and what positions really caused me irritation and then basically work around it. So I got aboard and I went out and I paddled out. It was a, it was a gentle three, it was a right-hander, my favorite side, gentle three foot rolling wave, not too aggressive, reef wasn't too scary. And it was that moment of like, I've just got to lean into this and just deal with whatever comes up. But my heart was racing, obviously scared to mm. like hurt myself again or do more damage. But they all said it's the safest possible wave. Anyway, so I went out and the boy's like, what are you doing, you knob? You know, <laughs> what are you doing out here? You know, are you sure? Are you sure? Anyway, the lineup's like 15 strong. There's a few of the local lads and 
they've all just like gone together and go, Richie's wave, they call me into the waves, they're like, they're really egging me on, oh. picking the waves for me. I just feel like I've got this moment of like pressure, but also like, right, right, I've got to do this now, yeah. I'm committed now, everyone's watching me. And I remember I've even got a fit of photo of this, a little video where I've got on this wave and I've got up, it's the slowest, ugliest pop-up you've ever seen. <laughs> I've pushed up, my legs dragged on, I've like crawled up and I've eventually found myself to my feet and I'm locked on and I'm on this wave. And I can't remember any pain whatsoever, but I remember just going, yes, go on you bad boy, go on. <laughs> like, literally, all you hear is like, rah, rah, and, you hear the and I'm just like buzzing. Oh my God, and amazing. And the guys picked me up on the boat and so I don't have to paddle any further because that was the only wave I got. That was it, I was done after that. I was in so much did pain. It. But it was like, I did it. And it was yeah. like, come on. I was like, go on. And that gave me hope for the rest of yeah. the week. And you got a video of that now. Like, you got a video of that? that? You got a video? Yeah, I've got a video and a few stills which is going to make it into this little showreel. Yeah. How nice to have that to remind in. yourself of how you got through something. Yeah. Yeah, you can see this big, like, strapping around my knee. But you see, you see this. You just see this, <laughs> my arms in the air and just absolutely buzzing. Oh, my God. Everyone on the boat's, like, cheering. It was honestly, it was the most incredible moment. Can and then I, I carried on. I, I, I think two days off with ice on my knee after that. Yeah. Have, have you um, always had this this mindset where you embrace the things that happen to you that could potentially, you know, be damaging further on down the line? Or did you think the yoga has given you that mindset? Um, do you know what? I think it's just a, a mental, like, toughness, resilience that's come from just having to like push past senses and maybe common sense, but also know that I was like, do you know what? I've got a little bit more here and a bit of grit, not so much in a mindful way, but more like, come on, dig deep. Cause I've been, I've got to dig deep before in rugby games and, and challenging times in various different scenarios where I've just like, right, you've got to step up here. But it was all that mentality of being competitive, even though it's competitive myself, but also realizing there's a lot of power and growth and a lot of lessons and actually just go and giving it a go. So at least, you know, you've given it a crack. If it doesn't quite work out, then, you know, like mm, maybe you have to readjust and choose a different path. But if I do not give it a go and compete with someone or myself and give it a crack, it'll be on my mind. It will play on my mind. And that was what drives me. And I guess that's still what drives me now. Even with yoga, it was that same mentality. I've got to try it. It's been calling me. It's here. It's presented in front of me. I'm not ignoring this. And I, I guess I carry that into everything that I do, including public speaking and teaching and all these other things where I still get these same nerves or, you know, these different encounters. At what point did this turn into like career? Like I'm going to make this how I make a living. When was that transition? Um, I would say... Uh, when I came back from Australia, there was an opportunity there because I don't know my training to be a, a, tr a trainer uh, and be a PT. When, um, when, when me and Shona came back, she was already like, flying into like work. I was flying to work in private. Uh, I was doing private stuff, so private clients through mates of mates that knew I was coming back, that knew my experience, knew my background. So I started to take a few private clients on just trying to share my insight on training and and meditation and breath work and capoeira and body weight training. I was like, I'm loving it. And, and me as a person, my physique was the best it's ever been in. So I was a good pinup for my for what I would do, you know, using that as a as a key marketing tool. 
but it also it was like it picked up so much traction word of word of mouth it was like all of a sudden I had all the clients i needed so i didn't even need to go to a gym or do any classes and it was like it was you know we're talking 2014 so as you can imagine just in that seven year period hang on six year period there was how much change has happened in the industry in london there was nothing really compared to what there is now when i was there so i was lucky to sort of see an opportunity and i loved it and because of that love i was able to just start to delve deeper into learning because i was so curious and uh, yeah the rest is history but there's more to it than that than you made the transition to Wales, though. So you were living in London at that point. And at some point... <laughs> I you want to try and unpack in this hour. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but this is what intrigues me, this move bit. Because you are, again, you, you're not like the class teacher. You're mm. not teaching like regular classes. So you're not tied down to a schedule, from what I can see. Mm. Uh, so you, I guess you had a bit, bit more flexibility. But nonetheless, mm. you made a massive jump to Wales, to the middle of nowhere, mm. it seems. But yet have still managed to maintain kind of relevance and still mm. very much are, are present. And of course, social media mm. helps you do that. So what was that, what was that switch about? Why Wales? So the, the short version of this is I'd already, been, I'd already had a calling to being in nature from a very young age because I grew up on the beach. I, uh, I was lucky to live in the Middle East where we were, lived on the beach and um, we also travel when we were kids. Mom and dad were real adventurers, real explorers. These took us out into Europe and hike and climb and all these things. So that was already a huge part of me growing up. But while I was in London, I was always looking for opportunities to escape, even though it's where my business was, where I was making money, where I was building my reputation. I'd always look to try and get out and escape and travel. And Wales was always quite easy from London just to bomb down the M4, go surfing, go hiking, go mountain biking, climbing. It just had it all. And I went to go and see a friend of mine. Anyway, I'd already been feeling like a disconnect with London. I was just feeling like Groundhog Day and I wasn't really loving my job anymore. And I was like, well, what's the point if I'm not enjoying it? I'm resenting people for taking up my time that don't value it in my classes. And I'm like, no one's even listening. I'm like, <laughs> I don't feel I'm bringing the value. You know, you're, you're smiling. She's like, I get it. I know that one. You know, and it's like, I just realized there's more. This is, this is not what I'm here to do. I'm here to like reach more people and I need to give myself some space for this. Anyway, I got back to my housemate and said, do you know anywhere that would be good to sort of, you know, have a bit of surf and, you know, and everything else? And they were like, well, Ogmore by sea, you know, go into the South Coast, check a few of these coastal towns. So I explored it. It looked quite cool. It was like three hours-ish from West London down the M4. I'm like, well, I'll just commute to London. I don't mind lifestyle is what I'm after right now. And I'll just, because I had a client base, I had classes and everything. Anyway, overnight, well, that night I'd found a place, I rang the, the agent, she said, it was, I've only got a viewing tomorrow morning and I was already in London, I'd had a full week, it was a Monday, a full week of classes. I couldn't sleep, so I drove down in the middle of the night, turned up in Ogmore, <laughs> three hours too early, because obviously I was wide awake, sat on the beach, watched the sunrise, I thought, oh my gosh what is this place? And instantly just felt, wow. And I thought, that's what I've been looking for. I want to wake up like this. So that drove me to then start to find ways to create change in my the way I do my business, to be able to still provide the value, but authentically and genuinely live what I'm preaching, like through and through, heart and soul. And um, I put her offer on the place. I, it got accepted. I mean, I begged, borrowed, bribed, everything I possibly could to get this place. 
And because it just felt so right. And it was supposed to be a six month sabbatical. I messed that bit out. It was more just like, let's see it. Let's try it. Worst case, I just have to commute a few days a week. I'll make it work. Didn't need to. That was two years ago. And I'm just, it just keeps, now I know the community I teach here. I have a friend network. My God kids live in Cardiff. You know, I know the area and just. Living the dream. Yeah. So how often do you come into London now? What's that? How often do you head into London? How often do you do that commute? Well, not for the last three months. Um, I mean, I'm actually about to go back into London. We've got a little project there, actually. I'm, I'm about to invest in London again, which against my sort of uh, deep down vibe is not really what I'm looking for. But this is more of an investment in the future and something I've been passionate about for a while. I to wait to hear more about that soon. Um, but I'd say I'll be back probably every week once we're free and we're set free just to get things up and running. But Wales is definitely home. And I, Wales is definitely So home. what is what is it for you? What is wealthy? Forget like forget money. What is wealth for you? Like what do you actually want in life? Like full on vitality in every single mm. day. Like be able to like keep up with my kids. Well, I haven't got kids by the way, but it's more like when I have them or with my god kids, my nephews to be that bulletproof uncle that bulletproof granddad that bulletproof dad that is capable of just doing everything they want to do being able to like eat amazing food being able to like see beautiful places be able to like teach and share my passion influence other people like inspire the people to find their version of it i buzz off that i get up every morning like wide awake i don't need to get up i could just laze around in bed I am my own boss, but I love it that much. It's like, how do I, what's the next opportunity for me to like connect with people? What's another way for me to connect with more people? And it's kind of like causing me to like face a few like fears and a few things I'm uncomfortable about, but I'm realizing it's unpacking like new levels of me as I kind of evolve. And wealth for me is that abundance in all of those things. Obviously, money helps you do stuff, but that's coming because I'm loving what I'm doing and, I, and people are like really embracing it. So it's a win-win, really. Mm, it sounds so I'm very like, lucky. It sounds like you're there, like the way you're oh, talking. Oh, yeah, I'm sweating. I'm yeah. getting excited right You gave me now. goosebumps. Like, I'm looking out the window. <laughs> I mean, I'll show you. This is my view. Yeah. So I'm looking out the window. Oh. And this, that's what so guys, so anyone listening at home, we just saw greenery followed by blue water and blue sky and yeah, it looks stunning. stunning. Yeah, so that I look at that and go, wow, I'm here. Yeah. I'm here. This is what I've worked for. This is what I dreamt about. And I didn't stop. And I didn't give up until I got closer and closer. So the the goals, the dreams, the the new level of where I'm going is is really like another level to what this already is, whatever that is. Because I'm thinking about family now, because I do have a girlfriend that mm. I want to settle with. And I now think about, you know, family and roots and creating a really beautiful space and that's kind of the next exciting chapter mm. how do you like balance it all like you seem to again social media is mysterious but it from we're talking to you it's clear that you do a lot of the stuff you enjoy like you're surfing a lot you're doing a lot of the activities that you you enjoy spending time doing like how would you fit the work in or how would you fit that in around the work um so i think it's you just gotta be smart with your time and I think those roots need to be put in place or those foundations need to be put in place or be made clear to the people that you are responsible for. And 
I think what I've been able to do is nurture the right kind of work structure environment where everyone is very clear on how things go. And I have certain times where I'm in work mode or there's opportunities for flexibility so I can go for a surf with a swell coming through. But there are certain things that you can't avoid, like, you know, you book a workshop in. Okay, the workshop is a, is a, is a weekend. So that weekend is dedicated to that. But outside of that, I'm going to give myself two days of like pure nature time. I'm offline. Or when I'm in a bit more of like a driven hustle mode now where I'm trying to strive towards some other challenging new projects, I don't mind putting that extra work in because my energy and my heart and I guess my motivation and drive to do it is for a good reason. And I'm enjoying that. So that's part of the fun. That's part of like the investment of my time because I value my time more than anything else. That's what's the most precious commodity. If I spend it on something I love and I can see being something epic, then that's where I make those little sacrifices. But I don't tend to do anything I don't want to do. So if I don't work with clients that I don't feel that we have a synergy, we don't have a connection, I won't waste their time. I won't waste mine. I'll just steer them in a direction that I think is probably better for them or suggest something. So when I'm resonating with someone and when I get a vibe, it's like we are going to do so much great work. When I'm with a workshop, people, everyone's there because they know what I'm about. So I'm like, you're on my vibe. We don't have to break anything down. We just flow with this. So everyone's having a great time. So I think to give people insight on finding their own version of that is you've got to be really clear on what you want and who you are. And so many people are trying to be something they're not or they're not comfortable with just to try and keep up with what they think is going to be popular or successful and make them money. They lose the flow state. They use the momentum and the magic and the passion and the enthusiasm and the people that they're drawn to, you know? Oh, I want you back. Yeah, we're good. Disconnected. <laughs> there we go. We're back. We're back. Um, and, I, and I've been able to tap into that. And I think that's something we all need to kind of just do a little audit on every now and then before we get wrapped up in the the race that we're all in in our industry that asking we, we why some magic. Yeah, why mm. you I think that's so important for everyone to ask why constantly. Like why am I doing mm. this? Why have I said mm. yes to that new client mm. when I hate them? Mm. You, uh, you've, <laughs> you've got to work out what you don't want to know what you do want though as well, don't you? Yeah. Fall off the rails mm. a few times to kind of mm. find your authentic self. And I think you need to yeah. actually work out your personality type and what yeah. skills you have. Like you're massively enthusiastic. Mm. Like you said earlier, mm. like one of your friends identified you as being wasted there because you know you could sell anything mm. you could mm. like it's it's about understanding what natural skills you have and then making the most of them mm. because like, yeah. undoubtedly if you weren't so passionate and you didn't have the just just the personality you have this wouldn't have worked quite so well but people i guess no, want to be around trying to get <laughs> well we're all trying to get attention aren't we whether you do it social media whether you do it through a business you're trying to sell something we're trying to get attention of people we're trying to share what we love even if we love what we do we want to share it. So to share it, we've got to grab their attention and pull them in, right? So we can share our magic and do what we do and teach what we teach, right? So you're going to be, you know, kidding yourself and delusional and coming across fake. And that's not going to be very satisfying for you, but people aren't going to feel drawn to it. They aren't going to be part of your tribe if you don't have the authenticity and the truth in it. So I do believe you can build skills to become more confident and then attract people and get more attention through social media, through marketing, whatever you want to do. But if you aren't doing it for the right reasons and you kind of like forcing something that doesn't feel right, it's going to come across, whether it's energetically or whether it's just like 
that doesn't sound right. You, you, we all know, right, if we're intuitive enough to pick up on those senses. So if you can start to put the building blocks in place of actually doing more of the things that you do love, again, a bit of a cliche, you actually start to enjoy the process. And then when you do talk to that one person, they go, oh, I really get that. That's really cool. Can I do a bit of that with you? Or I'm really interested to know a bit more about that. Like you really like, you've really intrigued me. You know, it's like, well, who doesn't want that? I just think we just need to maybe just take a little step back every now and then and maybe tweak our delivery and what we're sharing to make sure we're staying true to it. And every now and then we just need that little reminder just to face up to maybe what we're not great at and what we shouldn't probably be doing. And what could I be doing in a better way to still make money, but because I'm actually loving it and that's where I'm going to get traction. Mm. Mm. We're going to move on. We're going to shift gear a few little quick fires now. So okay. <laughs> quick fire for me. What have you, anything, I like this one, anything you kind of bought in the last year, let, let's say less than a hundred pounds, kind of affordable, that's made less a big difference. That's made like a big difference to your life or something you really appreciate. Okay. Um, a coffee machine. Mm-hmm. Which one? Which, 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 which <laughs> yes. one? Which one? Do you know what? That's, that's it's, re, it's so recent, which is why it's popped in my head. But it's this retro, old school, like filter drip coffee. It's like this crazy turquoise, beach turquoise color. But it's like this mad contraption. I just thought it looked really cool in my kitchen. T- turquoise is my favorite color, but. I realize coffee is such a ritual for me now. I have this whole process of how I put chaga mushroom powder in it and chicory and all this other stuff. I'm like, ooh, I love the whole experience, right? And I, I live next to uh, the guy who runs Welsh Coffee Company and he's hooks me up and he, he's, he's, he's my main man. And that's probably been a big game because I love the ritual of it. But just on top of that, just to give you a bit more context on, on the ritual side of things, I got some sound bowls, like oh, some yes. little... You know, the, the um, Tibetan ones. Some people call them sound bowls or. Um, yeah, no, that's what Holly does. Holly, Holly's, Holly does all that stuff. Yeah, like, you have the crystal ones. I you do. are quite fancy and big. Yes, I've seen pretty. them. Yeah, I've got these little. Like, yeah, like Tibetan ones. ones. The brass, brass yeah. ones, yeah. Tibetan bowl. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I can put myself into a trance when I want to <laughs> meditate or have a little bit of chill time. I put the three bowls out that I've got. Yeah. I, learned, I, I burn some Palos Santo wood. I get it all zen. I try and recreate this little. <laughs> area that I used to do when I was in my Bali practice. And I could honestly transport myself back there yeah. by playing my own little bowls. <laughs> and honestly, I could lose a whole hour just playing with these bowls. And sometimes I go deep, 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 deep mm. if I'm in that sort of space. But I find it's the quickest way to transport myself into that feeling and that memory of what happened when I did my yoga teacher training. So if I really want to get in the zone, it's these connections to the sounds, connections to the smells, that can transport you back to that situation. So honestly, I'm literally teleporting myself back there when I do these little sound bowls. So how, you'll appreciate that. How so, do we get from coffee to sound bowls? It's just something, the... uh, something to buy. So I do it on coffee. Uh, and it just kind of sometimes... Oh, okay, there it is. <laughs> so I make the coffee with this nip. So they're both under £100. I've got to try this. Um, and they're both quite recent purchases. But I find I can go in and it just becomes like... And then I start to move. Because I've done my breath work, I'm sweating now, getting excited about this. Because then I start to like when the music, I put the music on, and then I've had my coffee, Come so I'm like buzzing, and I'm like hyped. Like, you need to Instagram out. live this. Yeah, please, I'll I be know, there. I want to see this little little ritual. Yeah, uh, but there, there, there's a lot of research in how I think taste. No, is it smell? No, smell. Smell, mm. smell is the thing that can bring you back to a moment yeah, better than anything powerful. else. Like mm. one of those powerful senses. Yeah. Yeah. If you ha- do you have a mantra or a quote or a philosophy that you kind of live by or always come back to in times of trouble? 
So I've actually got it tattooed on my leg. A smooth sea never made a skilled sailor. And it's not my quote, but it's a mantra that I put on my leg. Um, Not because I forget it, but it was more when I was traveling, I I, I worked on a yacht crossing the Indian Ocean when I was living in Australia to go and help deliver these super yachts to Bali. Another story. Wow. But I remember my birthday... And it's a bit of a cliche being on a boat and thinking about this, but more like all the challenges that I'd had up until that point, you realize actually it's actually now makes me the strong person, resilient person, confident person, and the most vulnerably happy (laughs) person by realizing all the things that have actually been quite challenging and tough actually create my story that I'm really proud of now that I actually really have ownership over. That's how it goes, isn't it? So, um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Really, well, yeah, let's say really... that quote again. Let's, let's end it on that quote. A smooth sea never made a skilled sailor. I like that. Perfect That's place good. to finish. And then what do we? What should we tell people about you in terms of your social media, your website, all that stuff? Um, so, yeah, the, the social media, Instagram is probably where I'm most active at the moment. That's uh, Richie Norton underscore. And then the Strem Temple uk for the website which is where you'll get access to most of the things like the youtube stuff and all the other places i'm active and classes and coaching and workshops that kind of thing right. yeah i think people so, yeah. people love it like yeah. we we're inspired by it like i i wanted to <laughs> chat you so much because i saw you in wales i was like i want to get out of london and with that we've just put our house on the market should we go to wales we're looking to Are escape you coming to wales maybe maybe we're, we're, we're a bit more tame we're like a village in surrey yeah I haven't driven since my driving test so I need to like, get back in the car first and kind of work not, yeah, not with me in it <laughs> but Richard it's been an Thank absolute you. pleasure mate thanks for having me honestly unbalanced